everything that I went through to get back and just to feel good again really made me understand how much I love my body and how much I don't ever want to feel like that again. But even more so now, I have this new love for helping other people. And when I see somebody now who's struggling with whatever, an injury, a weight loss, you know, want to just get bigger, stronger, whatever it may be, and they're having a hard time with it, I have to help them. Like, I want to help them. I, that's, that's my mission, is to get them to a place where they're confident and they feel good about themselves. Hello, everyone. It's Jordan Boxer, your host of Leaders in Sport, a podcast brought to you by Designs for Sport, which is an industry-leading supplement company with all NSF for Sport supplements and education geared to help elevate the industry and support fit pros. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Leaders in Sport. It's, uh, it's me, Jordan, your host. And today I am met with uh, a friend of mine. Actually, I don't know your last name, which is embarrassing. I know, I know it starts with an M. Thomas. Come on. Uh, soprano? Uh, I wish. Moriello. Moriello. See, I knew it started with an M. Do you know my last name? Boxer. Boxer. Is it Boxer? Yeah. It's just spelled in the, um, the German-Polish way. So B-O-K-S. Oh. Yeah, what is your ethnicity? Uh, I'm sort of a smorgasbord, so I'm definitely Polish, think German, Russian, British, French. So basically just Europe. European. I know. Um, I was actually going to get a tattoo when I was younger, born a boxer, because I used to box. There you go. I know you have a lot of tattoos. That's your name on social, Yeah, Instagram, born a boxer. But I was going to have born and then... Born a, and then two boxing gloves hanging, boxer. Because when I was boxing, last name boxer, obviously I didn't You did Muay Thai, right? Or Um, karate or? So I did karate when I was really young. And then I moved from karate into uh, kickboxing because I was getting Mm. bullied in school. And then I got into jujitsu and then wrestling and then Muay Thai and then MMA and Sambo. Yeah, it was just fun. That was like my little... Sport, did you trade in anything when you were younger? I was everything. Wrestling was probably my best as far as overall, just for pound for pound. I was always like surrounded by in football, baseball, wrestling, you whatever it may be. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a mean little bastard, but um, just like mere size growing up with like my brother too. Like I always hung out with older people. So I was always getting my ass kicked, pardon my French, um, just around the clock and everything that I did. So when it came to like sports where it was like pound for pound, me versus somebody actually my size, I just felt dominant. So wrestling was a good one. How far did you go in wrestling? I would have gone to college, but I broke my back my senior year. Okay. And that is kind of what led me to where I am now, but... I mean, overall, between football, baseball, wrestling, I'd say football and wrestling were definitely my strong suits, and I was just... So like, where? how did you break your back? I actually don't know the story. Oh, lovely. Um, I don't know, man. I think it goes into now how much we preach about like recovery, mm-hmm. was not doing any of that. I had a very old-school coach, Oklahoma-born boy, hard knocks dude, just pounded us in the weight room. Pounded us on the field. Not a big emphasis on recovery. I mean, I think just an accumulation of just me like 
beating the crap out of myself for years and years and years, never really putting any time or attention into simple recovery, whether that's just stretching or just mobility. And at a young age, man, especially in high school, when you're hammering like heavy squats, heavy hand cleans, things of that nature, it does take a big toll on your body, especially if you don't already have the muscle mass to handle those types of movements. So like, I just think accumulation of everything over time I really don't know the exact moment it happened. It started out as just like back pain, like mm. most people, right? Starts out just aches, pains, whatever it may be. And then that led into just getting worse and worse and worse. Just kept fighting through it. Figured it was just soreness. One day, uh, it was actually our championship game. And uh, I showed up to the field already in pain, started warming up. And how old were you at this point? 18? Not even. I think I was 17. Yeah. Crazy. Got to the field, started warming up, energy super high, it's championship game. Get out to the field, start doing my warm-ups, can't even do that. Back is completely shot. First time in my ever life I've ever like stepped off a field and just basically tapped. Walked up to my coach, said, yo, can't do this. I am dying Did right now. Did he try guilting you into staying? He threw me a bottle of painkillers, said pop those and get your ass in and there like, what basically. what level was your school? We were undefeated. We were really good. I mean, at the time, we have, like, for an instance, our quarterback was Kyle Allen. Plays in the NFL now. Mark Andrews really? was our tight end. Yeah, he plays for the Ravens. Probably one of the top five tight ends What right position now. did you play? I played slot. I played running back, and I played strong safety. Okay, because, like, I'm not a very tall man, so don't take this as insulting. No, but like, I thought maybe the weightlifting stunted your growth because you're, you know, like, my size. It's funny. You know, I like, my whole life – that was kind of the stigma that weightlifting will stun your growth. And recent research shows that it's like not that's true. not true. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it's more genetics. So I think it's more your uh, – we had energy. Jill on. She was saying it's not so much the weightlifting. It's the extra, extra energy you're outputting, and then you're not really – yeah. fueling yourself properly. Of course. Yeah, so, and I, I was never eating a lot as a kid. Okay, so hold on. So go back. So you're on the super elite football team. You had yeah, a couple NFL Yeah, we were there. super, we were pretty good. Um, anyway. Wait, did my you say coach. Josh Allen? No, I wish. Oh, okay. Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. Okay, we're <laughs> Less, just... Lesser of the Allens, but. Are they brothers? No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, no, I threw one up to my coach, threw me a bottle of painkillers, popped a couple of those, felt wonderful, went through the whole entire game, played great. We won, celebrated, went home that night in so much pain after everything wore off that's when I really knew like this is a much bigger issue I laid in that Epsom salt bath like every day nothing would help and uh finally I started going to doctor after doctor after doctor trying to get an opinion and uh I just kept getting the same exact answer over and over and over again like listen this is what's going on you have a break in your L5 S1 that yada 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 yep you know how that goes essentially my whole mindset was just how do I get back to doing what I do? You know, I don't care what's going on. Can I play again? Can See, I be active? It's so interesting. Like I have a lot of strength coaches and, and uh, trainers we bring on here. And there seems to be this common thread of like that Oklahoma guy you're talking about. Always. Who just like had no proper training technique, just pushed them, broke them in the gym. Yep. They got injured. They didn't live up to their potential. And then they're like, wait a minute, I, I want to A, fix myself and B, make it that no one else goes through this. Absolutely. So I know now you're a, um, you're a power athlete, you're a strength 
mm-hmm. power lifter. Yep. But to get there, I know you went into um, – I did everything. Yeah, take <laughs> us on that journey. So your back's broken in high school. Yeah. Were you, could you have gone to college to play football? Yeah, probably wouldn't have, to be honest, just because I knew, like, the level of talent that was out there and just with my size, didn't matter how good I was. Yeah. That was always going to be the issue. There was always going to be somebody who's equally as talented as you, but bigger right. and taller. That's it. And so, so what did you want to do after high school? What sport like drove you? Wrestling, wrestling? was driving me just because I knew I could be successful in it. I've just always been a competitor. And when I compete, I want to win. Yeah, yeah. Just like most people. I never wanted to do something just to do it. I want to do it and do it great. I want to be great at it. So uh, wrestling, I knew for a fact that I would be able to do that, have a great career in it at the very least, but just get a good education. Mm-hmm. That would be my path to getting to college and doing that. But that ended. And uh, like I said, going through doctor to doctor, getting these opinions and uh, pretty much gave up after maybe like the third or fourth doctor telling me the same thing. And then uh, I was actually at, I think it was like a house party or just like a friendly whatever get together. And I'd bumped into one of my, uh, she was not necessarily a friend, but she was a cheerleader on the football team. And we started chatting it up and come to learn like her dad is a sports medicine doctor for the Cardinals. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, She asked me about my back and I just started basically telling her what I've been going through. And she was like, no kidding, you should go see my dad. Okay, let's do it. You know, what's one more doctor? Went to go see him, and that's when my life completely changed. He sat me down, and he just asked me about my experience. What were the other doctors telling me? Mm-hmm. And I just basically told him, dude, they just told me, this is where I'm at. This is my body now, and I got to be more careful, and I shouldn't do anything that's going to cause more issues. So no more, like, lifting heavy, no more intensive, you know. So if you if you would have just listened to all the doctors, um, was it almost like an enter the dragon with Bruce Lee when they're like, you're not going to walk again? Yeah, just, man. I was, was super, super Bruce Lee moment. I was so depressed. And like, I'm, you know, Alec was there at the time. That was really when I started going down a bad route in just the sense of I was like, well, you took the one thing I love and just ripped it out of me. That was the only thing I ever put my time and intention was to. Was athletics and training? Was athletics and training. I never really, I went to school because I wanted to play sports. I did good in school because I wanted to stay on the team. Like there was no motivating. Well, (laughs) I did well. Um, there was no emphasis on really like I'm here because I want to learn about math, science, whatever it is. I just want to play football. I want to wrestle. Um, so yeah, like if I never seen Dr. Dean, I probably, who knows, man, would have continued down that path. But he sat me down. I told him about my experience and he asked me a question that resonates in my head till today and something that I would basically ask anybody who's going through something similar as I did or is going through any sort of injury. You have to ask more questions. And he goes, when you looked at these doctors, did they look like somebody who trained, somebody who had lived a life like yours, you know, has seen people in your you know, space, has worked with athletes, seen these injuries. And I was like, no, man, honestly, they were all pretty much overweight or looked really out of shape or just like they never lifted a weight in their life. He's like, okay, so if you were going to get money advice, would you get money advice from like a poor person? I was like, of course not. 
Okay. So why would you do the same with your body? You know, why would you take advice from somebody who doesn't, you know, work in your craft? I was like, that's a really good point. Like, in fact, they should probably come see you. So yeah, Charles Poliquin, he put this in my head. He had numbers actually. He was like, if you're a trainer, you need to be this body fat percentage. If you're like a supplement sales rep, you need to be this body fat percentage. Mm -hmm. I don't know where he came up with those numbers, but his whole idea is the audio needs to match the visual. Absolutely. And this keeps coming up on this podcast because, you know, especially for all of us in this industry, it's like we have, uh, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you're not applying it. Absolutely. Then, yeah. So this, anyway, so you're 18 at this point. I think that sits you down. To that point too, like that's what, like I see the problem with the industry now Mm -hmm. is you got to practice what you preach, man. Like if you're a coach, you got to be putting in the work too. You can't tell anybody to do something that a you haven't ran yourself, you haven't seen the end of that, or you're not doing it yourself. That's a huge injustice to your people. People want to see you working hard mm-hmm. and take it from you know me. Like I will never stop pushing myself just because I know that pushes my athletes. They see me working hard, they're going to continue to work hard. But going back to that. Um, after we had that little talk, he walked me, he's like, let me take you outside real quick. Walked me down this hallway. He had like photos on the wall of all these professional athletes that I looked up to my whole life. He's like, starts pointing to them and he's like, this guy broken back, you know, torn it's like ACL. Out of, it's like out of a movie. Yeah, it was <laughs> for real. Um, but he started going down the list, man. And every one of them had way more serious injuries than I did or were in way more serious situations than I was there. NFL athletes, you know, Olympic athletes. He's like, where are they now? And I was like, well, he, you know, he's a Super Bowl champ. This guy's a four-time all-star, you know, whatever it is. Um, They're doing pretty good. He's like, okay, so do you think they took that same opinion? They would have stopped playing? I was like, hell no. He's like, all right, I'm going to put you under my wing, and I'm going to show you that you can get back, and you're going to play, and you might end up being better than you ever were. And uh, going through that whole process with him – Sports therapy, I really got to see the other side of things. It wasn't just the hammering of the weights in the gym, but the recovery side of it and just how important they have to be equal, right? Mm-hmm. If you're putting in this much time in the gym, you got to be putting this much time in recovery. That's just the same. So there's a few things that come to my mind that I'd like to unpack here with in regards to this. So one is, as a coach, especially for other coaches listening, I think we've all worked with people where I, I want to do it, like the mindset's mm-hmm. there, and then it comes to the follow through and they give up. So it's like this it's idea of how you get them to get that sort of eye of the tiger that you got back because you were worried. Like people, I don't want to injure, like, I, you know, yeah. I was, like, a friend of mine I was training, it was like, he's doing the shoulder, like a very light shoulder. Oh, but my, my shoulder might blow out and my neck hurts. And like, yeah. so how do you, gently coach people through this like barrier they might be putting up and then I think, I'll have a question after but yeah for sure I think education is one like you have to explain the why if you just tell somebody to do something okay great but if you explain why they're doing it they're gonna have a lot more sense of okay if I do this I will be better mm-hmm. you know what I mean you're creating more confidence in what you're doing it's the same thing if I was going to like a take somebody on a weight loss journey, really blueprinting that process and making them understand that this is not just a quick turnover, right? Like that this is going to be a long process. We're going to make sure we do it the right way. 
I'm going to coach you through it. I'm going to tell you why you're eating what you're eating, why you're doing what you're doing, why the exercises we have prescribed. You're going to go into that never really thinking, why the hell am I doing this? What is this doing for me? Um, I've been on the side of that and you just do circles. You know what I mean? And then that's usually people who keep hitting plateaus, never see the results that they want to see, are getting very frustrated with their training and ultimately end up quitting or just doing something completely different. Or because, not really having the faith in you as a coach. Right. Even or you just the, lose them as a client. Yeah. Even though the medicine might be right or the, 100%. you know, the, I use medicine as a term, but like the yeah. plan. Like I say to everybody, and it's the oldest damn thing in the world, but like you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make it drink, man. I can lay out everything in front of somebody, but unless they are motivated to get up and do it, it means nothing. Right. You know? So for any athlete or coach, like I would really, really recommend, and I wouldn't even recommend it, just do it. Teach your people. Don't just give them stuff. Teach them why you're doing it. Teach them if, you know, if... I do powerlifting. I coach a ton of powerlifters. That's kind of my demographic I deal with, but I work with a lot of other people. Um, and you have to be able to turn that intensity on and off. Not everybody needs that intensity, but for like a powerlifter, a lot of that motivation is already there. But that can also be dangerous because people like that will just throw themselves into the depths. You know what I mean? And this is where the recovery part And is. this is where the recovery part is. They think they're invincible because they're so strong or because of what they're doing that they don't really see the importance of the other side of things until they get injured and it's like man you know let's combat this now let's make this a part of everything so we can do this for a long time you constantly enjoy your training you're constantly progressing and you can continue to love what you do so you went um into you you became a fascial stretch therapist yeah i was doing a lot of things i mean so after i got out of you know training and everything I really didn't get back into sports I still didn't feel I felt good I could move a lot better I can be active I can hang out with my friends I could do the things that I love now but obviously I didn't have that competitive nature anymore I wasn't playing anymore so that drive of why am I doing this what is the point of this like where am I going to go once I do achieve you know recovery and get back to myself what am I going to do with that body and I really didn't know so I like for years, man, I bounced around trying to find something new, something else that was different, something else that would motivate me. I went into music engineering because I always had a big passion for music. I went to school for that. And for a couple of years, I was doing just sound at, you know, live sound gigs at clubs, whatever it may be. And that was fun. But that sense of like urgency wasn't there. I didn't really care. You know what I mean? It wasn't really motivating. It was fun, but mm, didn't get me up in the morning and make me want to do it more. And uh, the constant thing that I kept coming back to was just my health and wellness. I was always an athlete. I was always healthy. Why the hell now am I just, you know, in these clubs till 3 a.m., drinking, getting terrible sleep, waking up super late, just living a terribly healthy, unhealthy life, you know? And uh, one day I was just like, you know, I got to get out of this. Like this, this is done. Like when you start to make your passions, your hobbies, you have to be very, or your job, you have to be very careful not to disrupt why you love what you're doing. Because when you make anything your job, now there's a sense of you have to do it, right? It's not a sense of like, I want to do it. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of people here who are listening, who've stepped into this as their passion, their career. But let's say there's somebody listening who is on the fence. Yeah. Um, 
of getting into like health and wellness. Let's say health and wellness is their sure. passion and they're just, they're listening to this podcast yeah. and they want to get into uh, fitness. They want to get into training. Mm-hmm. Could we go through the process of like, I like what you're saying here. You got to be yeah. careful like that to get into it. So, yeah, you know, from your experience, what are the positives to getting in and following your passion? And then what are the drawbacks that you should be aware of so you, that somebody listening can know how to combat them? Make sure you have good intentions. Okay. Make sure you're going into something because you truly want to help people. Like my experience, everything that I went through to get back and just to feel good again mm-hmm. really made me understand how much I love my body and how much I don't ever want to feel like that again. But even more so now, I have this new love for helping other people. And when I see somebody now who's struggling with whatever, an injury, a weight loss, you know, want to just get bigger, stronger, whatever it may be, and they're having a hard time with it, I have to help them. Like, I want to help them. I, that's, that's my mission is to get them to a place where they're confident and they feel good about themselves. And I think for any coach or anybody who's thinking about getting into health and wellness, don't do it because of the image. That's what we're seeing on Instagram now is we have so many influencers yeah. who unfortunately are not that educated. They just have genetics. Possibly. And they have a yeah, wonderful yeah. physique and that's what they're selling. And it's unfortunate because their intention is money. Their intention is views. Their intention is, you know, follows, whatever it may be. It's to make themselves more attractive to the public eye rather than doing it because you truly love health and wellness. You truly want people to learn and get better. You want to see that kid who got bullied step out of that and become confident and feel like he is great and give him something to pass on to somebody else. So like with my clients, especially like when we sit down and do a consultation, it's very much so not asking so much training questions, but I just want to create a good relationship with the person. And, you know, for the people who are, even if they've been in this career for a while, um, you know, I find I have like a little side coaching thing I do now and it's very difficult to charge because you're like, this is something I would do all day long for free. But, you but know, now you mentioned it, it's your career now. You have to take it seriously. So how did you? Definitely. That's a big, good question, honestly. So, but how did you start to shift it where you're like, you know what? I love doing this. I could do it for free forever. But this is also I'm going to feed myself. Yeah, man. And put a roof over my head. And, you know. I think, think about anything in life. If you create value mm-hmm. for something, it doesn't, it's priceless now. Right. People are going to buy Birkin bags and they're God knows how much money. And it's just because it's a brand name, whatever it is. It's not the money. It's not the number attached to it. It's what they're getting with the number attached to it. So if you can make them feel comfortable that what they're doing and what they're stepping into, they're going to achieve. They're confident about it. You're going to take care of them. What money can you really put on that? You're helping them achieve something that they care so much about. So in my mind, like helping People is great, but also any service, if someone's coming to you for help, they can go anywhere. They're coming to you though, and anyone else is going to charge them, Mm. right? So they have to be mindful of the fact that like, this is you as a business and this is your time. You have taken the time to educate yourself. You have taken the time to go through the training. You have taken the time to go through everything, spend your own money, get your own certifications, do everything. Now, why should that be free? One of my mentors taught me this line. He goes, he's a he's a doctor. And he's like, when patients come to me, it's very expensive to work with them. He's like, 
I want to be the most expensive thing that you're ever going to come to because living is the most expensive thing. Absolutely. Almost like every day you live is going to cost you more money. So, But also in the fact of like that, man, like if you charge for somebody or for something or somebody pays for a service, they're way more keen on doing I, it. I w- yeah. So that's the that's it. Like if anybody wants to know like why do you charge? Like if you do something you love and you're constantly helping people and now you want to make it a career and you got to start charging people for it, it's like just remember that exact point, man. Like you yourself have created a wonderful platform and you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't really charge for it because if you do charge people money, one thing I, I stopped doing for a long time, I was charging people per session and they would just pay, you know, as they came. And what I started to see is people weren't so motivated on coming to those sessions. They realized they can move those sessions around. They don't have to show up. Now, if people now I have them pay in full for the month and that's just you're already paid for, man, you better be here. That's your money that you have dedicated to your body. Mm-hmm. You better do it. You know, there's this idea of prosperous coach technique that a lot of life coaches use, but I was curious how it would work in training. So, yeah. uh, you know, when, when you go to most life coaches or, or business coaches or soul coaches or health mm-hmm. coaches, they, they sell you on programs now, similar to what you're yeah. saying, you want people invested. But the approach that I like is like, and, and, you know, it's very hard for trainers to want, especially when they're busy, but when they're starting out, is yeah. you give a free hour maybe. Absolutely. Then show your value. Right. Charge maybe for two one off hours. Sure. And then it's like, if you're working with me now, you've had three sessions to experience me. Yep. You have to buy a program. Absolutely. And it's A, it makes, you know, you don't have to constantly chase for money as a, as a coach. You have the conversation Definitely. once, right? With, with your athlete. And then they're serious and bought in. And you know, you know, anyone here who works with people, it's not a straight line up. It's like there's going to be lows where the person's going to become unmotivated. Always. And if they don't have that money bought in, what are the chances of them walking out? A hundred percent. And especially think of the world we're in now. Like money is scarce. And if people are going to pay for something, they're more likely going to do it now because they realize like it's coming out of their bank account, man. Like in that now more than ever like we're in a tough place not everybody's making a ton of money so it's like if you really truly value yourself you're gonna do it and like one thing i would tell coaches too is you do not have to train everybody like yeah so you how do you how did you decide to narrow into working with power lifters that's my that's my lane man so after getting out of like music and I went into construction because I was just like, I just need to make some good money. I was raised, you know, my dad owned a construction company. So I did it already my whole life growing up. And I was like, you know, that's, that's cake work. It's tough work, but I can do that all day long and make good money. Went into that. And uh, I think it was four years or so. I stuck in it and was making good money. But, dude, my body just was getting hammered. I was not taking care of so myself. If you didn't, if you didn't stop, the universe would have taught you the same lessons. Football. Always, man. Yeah. And actually, like that was the most important thing in my life. Like, and I can tell you, my like little epiphany I had that just changed it for me. Um, at that time, like I said, I was going down a bad route. Started smoking, started drinking, partying all the time because I was working in the clubs, going into construction. When you work construction, you're eating terrible because you're just eating fast food all the time going out, eating whatever you can, 
everyone smokes cigarettes. You know, it's just a not a great healthy environment. And you're doing things that are constantly stressing out your body. Right. So for years I was doing that. And I think one day I was like jackhammering a bathroom. We were demoing it. And uh, this time it was a crew lead. And we all had our like mask on. Even still, concrete dust kill you anyway. So we're all like, you know, huffing and puffing. Like, let's let's go outside, take a little break. Go outside, and the first thing we all did was lit up a cigarette. You know, it's just it's funny people who haven't worked in construction. I used to work in a marble mm-hmm. factory, and you almost want to smoke because there's no you, if you don't smoke, you don't get the break. Yeah, and people don't realize yeah. that it's like <laughs> it's so high. It's, it's like it's yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm allowed to have a five minute yeah. break if I smoke. So the if you're the like, world stops when you're smoking, right? right? But if yeah. you're if you're un, if you're a healthy person, you don't get the five minute break. No, you, you just you can't be like, yeah, I'm gonna go get some air for five minutes. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, a little piece of me came back to life that day because I stepped out of there, lit up that cigarette. I think I took one puff of it and I just got slapped in the face by the hand of God. And it was just like, what are you doing, man? You just stepped out of here because you couldn't breathe because your body's hurting, your back's acting up. Like, and the first thing you're going to do is put that in your mouth. Like, Mm -hmm. how much dumber could you be? And I remember I flicked that cigarette and the next day or that night I got home and uh, I was sitting in bed with my ex, and I was just like ghost faced. Like, what is up? Like, you haven't said a word since you gotten home. You've been like in this like almost like dead glaze over your face. Like, you're just thinking really hard about something. What's going on? I was just like, I don't know. I just hate where I'm at right now. I hate that I've gotten to the point where I'm so unhealthy. Like, this is just not me. I know what I'm capable of. I know like the little Tom, you know, looking at me now would be so disappointed and I'm just fed up with this and I want to get back to what I'm capable of being great. And she was like, well, like what's stopping you? And I was like, holy crap, you're right. You know, what is stopping me? How easy is it just to click and get a gym membership right now and just start? That's exactly what I did. I went on there, click, got my gym membership next day, went in and I got humbled. I got so humbled. I went, I went under that squat bar. I did what I was used to doing. So a lot of barbell movements. That's what I like to do. So immediately went there. And I think I had like maybe 135 on the bar. So just a plate and got humbled. It felt terrible. My body was hurting. My back didn't necessarily hurt, but I just felt weak as ever. And that just lit a fire under my butt because I ain't that ain't me. You know what I mean? What, I've what always do you squat been, now? What's your number? <laughs> like 464 right now. Kilos? Pounds. I wish it was kilos. <laughs> it would be like 900, almost 1,000 people do it. <laughs> what did Ed Cohen do? He did like eight. Uh, this dude, crazy. His record has been broken since. There's people pulling uh, like Jesus Gorgia. He just pulled like 1,000. Do you pounds. feel you're going to get there? I have some milestones. Um, I'm never going to pull a thousand pounds. That's insane. But I have numbers that I definitely want to achieve. And like they're on the horizon now. So again, for anybody, just stay consistent. It's coming. Just keep working hard. Keep showing up. Yeah, because yeah, actually, I would like to nerd out on some powerlifting stuff because I. Yeah, let's chat. This is, I actually took a course with Ed. Nice. Um, and he got me to, I thought my max deadlift at the time was like 
225 and he pushed me to 305 for three there's so much more left in the tank man. right you have no idea all so, my new lifters they go through that same process where like we start to sit down they don't really know their maxes and what they think they're capable of they have such a higher ceiling and it's just they their body hasn't been susceptible to that like intensity range they don't know what it feels like or better yet, they just, when that body starts to burn or it starts to feel hard, they think that it's it. Because I, I was at the CSCCA, and I think we loaded 405 on the bar, and I've never pushed, like, I freaked out. I was like, 405 pounds, fuck. So I go and I lift it, and I got it off the foot. I got yeah. it off the ground by, like, and I haven't deadlifted yeah. in a year, like, regular, traditional grip mm-hmm. deadlift. And I got it off, like, four inches. And I was like, fuck. And I freaked out. I put it down. <laughs> so there's a lot of mental warfare in powerlifting that you don't respect until you start humbling yourself. And like, it's a deadlift. Dude, it's but- like anything in life. Unless you fail, you don't know what you're capable of. Like, it's the most important thing in life is to push yourself into you. It could be in anything, business, life, whatever it is. Like, to fail is a beautiful but thing. But what is your mindset going up to hitting? Like, when I get under like a squat, like when I, Go How for a very, it? it's not, I, I, dude, everybody has a different like way they go into yeah. it. I try to channel like all my demons, man. Like I really try to get myself into a space to where, like, I'll tell you some of the things I think about when I get under the, like the bar. Yeah. Cause if like, I don't, I don't know it's if I'm terrible, heavy for dude. A while, it's but... terrible. I think about like my family being crushed by a car and I have to like save their lives and rip that car off them. Like it's a do or die situation. I think about anybody that told me that I would never make it. All those doctors that told me to quit, like all that stuff comes in my head and I almost get this like fury rage and it's like a controlled chaos. And that's one thing that like I've really learned. Cause when I was younger, I was very very angry (laughs) but now it's it's funny your new york accent only comes out with certain words it comes out with certain words very terrible (laughs) road rage it'll come out yeah Yeah, if i drink it'll come out um but yeah man everyone has a different mindset some people like to be very calm i choose not to be i like to feel intense and Mm -hmm. like very energized going into it in case anybody has never smelled smelling salts, that's pretty much the mindset it gives you. What it, happens? I've always seen people take it. Smelling what? salts essentially just lights up your central nervous system. So for, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds, all your nervous system is firing. So how much more in the tank does it give you? I don't see. It doesn't really do much, but it's a confidence builder. If you feel good, you feel better about the weight you're about to move. If you're nervous, you know, hmm it's going to move a little bit differently. You're going to be hesitant. Like that's one thing I tell all my lifters, like be confident. Treat heavyweight like it's lightweight, lightweight, like it's heavyweight, right? That's Ronnie Coleman, but it's true. We don't want to end up like Ronnie. And this is, this is the, and that's smart train. So that's, that's where it changes from that old school method. The weight yet not get terrified by it. Cause that's, I think the balance. Cause if you get a heavy, like you get something heavy on your back, yeah. Like it's a mindfuck. I know some people. You got to train here, like, a lot, man. It takes time before you really understand. Like when we talk about RPE, right? Like rate of perceived exertion. So when we set like an RPE, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever it may be for a movement, that's me. If I give you an RP seven, that's me telling you, I want you to work up to a weight where you feel like you truly have maybe two or three left in the tank. Right. And that's, but I'm one repping it or whatever rep scheme it is, okay, right? It could so be on any rep sure, scheme, let's say I'm five reps, a single, whatever yeah. it, it may be. 
I like to do things more percentage based if I do know somebody's maxes or just know what they're moving. But for new people, it's kind of hard because they don't even know that. Right. So you kind of got to like just lean them into it, let them find out for themselves and make a true assessment. Um, but yeah, I mean, for powerlifting, it's very sign based, man. Like it's progressive overload. And as far as building confidence into a lift, man, the more and more you lift, the more and more you reach that goal. It's not about just showing up to the gym, loading up the bar and being like, I don't know, like maybe I can hit it. I've never seen this weight before. You should never do that. Like realistically, that's why we start. Like if we think about week one, we start a, light, a lighter load and we progressively overload into those week four, five, six, whatever it may and then be. You reset. And you reload. And essentially the people who just go to the gym and just hammer the highest intensity always, that doesn't work, man. It, like I wish that worked. That'd be wonderful. Well, um, yeah, it's, I, I remember Ed was saying, oh, what was this pyramid? So many years ago, but it was like you, you hit like your 95% like once in a training cycle. Like, yeah, it's not like you're hitting no, 95, man. 96, 98. It's like people a always lot of ask. 70s, yeah. yeah. People think like we're going for PRs every single block. Like, dude, PRs come just what's unintended. A, what's like, a block for people who don't know? A block would be, I mean, if you think about like a mesocycle, so if we're going through like a hypertrophy or volume phase and then going into a strength phase and then a peaking yeah. phase, right? That's going to be like a mesocycle. If you think about like a block, that's going to be like one of those guys, right? So like a four-week period would be like a block in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, but continue. So if you're, if you're not going to PR throughout the whole block, it's going to No, be, I mean, yeah. man, like you start in a certain space and you build up to something and along those lines, like you very well might just PR and that could be rep PRs. It's not always singles we're going for. In fact, like we only really hit singles and triples, doubles, whatever it may be when we get into that strength phase, when we get into that peaking phase and we make it a little bit more comp specific to those lifts. Like when we're building that's where everybody needs to, that I see all the newcomers in the powerlifting, chill, chill the fuck out and just like work, man. Like understand the process, respect the process. All your greats did not walk into the gym and just pull 500 pounds, man. They all came here, started just like you in a modest place and they just kept showing up and working hard and working hard and they got there. And it's just like me, man, coming off of my back injury. I never intended on like powerlifting. I never even thought that that would be a possibility. I just kept showing up every day and truly just was working to be better. I wanted to be overall just better than people. I wanted to be faster, bigger, stronger, whatever it may be. And so the way I was training was all aspects. Everything that I was learning when I was going through school, I really was applying. I was like, okay, if I'm, I'm gonna try this out. I'm gonna try this out. And I ran everything found what I loved out of that was again, going back to those barbell movements. I was doing like a lot of like Olympic lifts at the time. So snatches, cleans, mm -hmm. jerks. And uh, one day I was just back squatting. Now this is maybe a year or two later. And at this point I had already found my love for health and wellness, decided, you know, I wanted to make that, you know, a career and, uh, just like when I got out of that construction site the next day, once I started working out and doing all that, after maybe a month, I really wanted to help other people do that and achieve something close to it. But Yeah. And that's uh, so because you have a pretty interesting 
business model now. Frontier Performance, man. Yeah, FTP. That's what where else we does built. FTP stand for? Frontier Performance. Frontier Performance. That's it. FTTP. That's it's all it is. Internet term. Okay. So yeah, explain a I bit think, about uh, the internet term is F the people or F the politics or F the, the no no, no FTTP is like oh I don't know anyways, yeah continue. yeah. So yeah, what is Frontier Performance? So Frontier Performance. Um, after so I'll lead up to how Frontier Performance got started. Sitting in that gym that one day, um, I had a big dude squatting next to me and I just happened to be squatting more and he looked over at me kind of gave me a glance like no way he's about to move that weight and I just started repping it out and uh, he came up to me he's like what weight class are you like what I'm like 155 pounds like what do you mean weight class he's like you compete right I was like what are you in what because you don't look okay I didn't even know what you don't look like a power lifter which I want this is the other <laughs> thing I want to unpack with you yeah, I know for I'm sure. being a bit but like no of course most power lifters you got to think about weight classes man but most power lifters you see I know there's the yeah. ones who are leaner but the average power lifter you look at They're is pretty like bulky dudes bulky dudes but you have a six pack yeah I mean I think that's the way the industry is moving now is like you're seeing a lot more of like that old school mentality of like you got to just be big and like grizzly to be a power lifter. it's not like we want aesthetic I People want to look good, and you can do that. In fact, bigger muscles move bigger weight, man. Like, you got to build on that. That's all I did for years. And then, again, progressively overloading. My weight right. started going up, and I didn't really take account what I was doing was, like, good weight or anything. I didn't know. So, sorry. So, I didn't mean to derail you there. No, so, you're, you're squatting next to this yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm squatting this like, guy. He asked me all these questions, and I just had no idea. And he was like, dude, powerlifting. And I was like, what is that? He was like, dude, go home and like do your research because I think you'd be good at this. I went home, started diving into this. And I was like, holy crap, there's an entire sport just built around squat, bench, and deadlift. My three favorite movements that aren't like snatching, hand cleaning, yeah. or like, you know what I mean? Stuff that is so annoying. Like, I just didn't love doing it, but I did it because I thought, you know, it was going to definitely make me better. I was like, I love that. Let me start doing this. Went to the gym next day and uh, I knew... One of my other trainers, she was a powerlifter and competing. I went over to her, started chatting her about it. And she was like, here, let me like give you just a program, run it, see if you like it. You know? And after running that, I was just like, dude, I'm hooked. This is awesome. Like my numbers were going up. I felt anabolic as hell, just moving heavy okay, weights yeah, now and yeah. just like felt more like I was doing what I love to do. Like, hell yeah, I'm gonna dive into this, see what happens started powerlifting and things just took off and numbers took off. Everything started to build and I was doing it the right way. I refused to just like skip the steps because I knew from my past. And is like, that rare for you? Normally you would skip hundred percent. I yeah. want to go straight to the top, but this time after being injured, I was like, maybe pump your brakes here, pal. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe make sure you are adding in all that recovery. Make sure you are taking the time and just, Progressively overloading, working to it. Don't worry about that one rep max. Who cares? You know what I mean? And uh, the more and more I did that, the more and more I guarded, my numbers started going up. And finally, I felt comfortable where I was like, I kind of want to compete in this. I think I'm like ready to go in there. First meet, placed second, and then first in the open division. And I was, I, I, that confidence came to me to where I was super stoked on just competing more and I wanted to be the best in something you know now I had something I could be competitive out my body felt good I knew I can progress and I was just a start so I was like holy damn the ceiling's high um getting out of that and again at this time I am a trainer I'm training mm -hmm. anybody 
And uh, I just started having more and more people gravitate to me, asking me questions about my training and how they can increase their training. I would give out tips, like we said, for free, for free, for free, for free. And then I started to realize like my value in it because the things I'm giving people are helping them and they are getting better. They are achieving better numbers. Let's cut the BS here and let's own what we're great at. You know what I mean? I think for every coach, like, again, stop trying to be the all for one, one for all. Like, you're not going to be a bodybuilding coach, a weight loss specialist, a nutrition specialist, a performance specialist. Like, it's impo- there's no way, right? You have to niche, n- niche right? And I think especially you can now. be moderately good at a lot of things. But of to course. be great at something, I do agree, like... You have to really niche into it. But the problem with this industry now, especially, is like, let's say somebody's coming to you, you're a trainer, they want to do a bodybuilding show, which takes a lot of time, takes really hard training, hard dieting, cutting, whatever it may be. If that person doesn't, has never competed in bodybuilding, doesn't know what that process looks like, and they're just like, oh yeah, I can, you know, help you be, I can make you a bodybuilder, you're doing your client a disservice. Mm. don't do that to people don't promise so them things that you cannot achieve here's where i challenge you though okay mm-hmm. i think yeah you need to be great at things but this is a hurdle that we help coaches through all the time a lot of coaches won't let's say step into our arena with supplements because they feel that they're uneducated sure but what we try to explain is like you're doing it yourself you have a high level knowledge of it you have even if you have a medium level knowledge you have a higher level knowledge than your client and you could guide them yeah. Like right now, if I said, what supplement should I take to focus or mm-hmm. like you, you know, yeah. which ones to give out. You're like take GPC mm-hmm. to have the power pack, whatever. But there is a fine line between like niching and experting. Mm-hmm. But there also you don't not want to provide advice to people that, of you course. Can... And that's what I would definitely like communicate. Yeah. You know what I mean? If I was going to tell somebody like, listen, I'm not that's not my specialty. I could help you there definitely help you a lot better than you're going to help yourself in a way you know what i mean but if you're really really serious about this and i'm not gonna try to just eat your money like let me actually put you in contact with somebody that i truly know is going to get you there right yeah, yeah you yeah. know what i mean like that's the way that is we that need what the to model be. is it so frontier performance when i was looking at starting my own company and branching out i worked at lifetime as a trainer i bounced around private studios, everything. And uh, one thing that I was just constantly getting sick of was this bitter like taste in the industry where everybody, it was just so money driven. And it didn't really feel like, like I was looking at trainers, again, practice what you preach, that looked like they needed to train. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, this, this whole thing seems so off. And I started to see how many, we live in Arizona, right? Like, or me and Alec do. There's a gym opening up everywhere. There's one on every single corner. There's probably a personal trainer, and this is in every city, every square mile. You, what are you going to do that is going to set you apart from just another gym, from just another trainer? You have to have a niche because if you have a niche, that's going to attract a specific population to you. Now, you might end up getting way more clients now because all that demographic now is being funneled to you. So after I started competing more, started to get more clients into, you know, powerlifting, I was like, let me just cut this. You know, I'm still going to help the people I want to help one-on-one, no matter what their goal is. But as far as frontier performance goal, 
Like, let's make that the performance brand. Let's really, really niche this down and be not just, we're here for everybody, but we're here for people who really, truly want to power lift or lift heavy or, or care about their performance. And one thing I love is all these gyms are the freaking same, man. So if you want to be different, it's kind of easy to be different. Just look at what everybody's doing and be unique. But like Exos, for an example, they're maybe one of like two, you know what I mean? They're, they're the biggest sports performance gym in the nation, but you have to be there by invite, right? Or you have to be a professional athlete or somebody in the Olympic, whatever it may be. You have to be a serious athlete. So you can't just go there, right? I can't just pull up to Exos and be like, hey, can I train? You just can't. And I was like, you know, there's a lot of people in this world that care just as much as like a professional athlete who want to make it there, who care about their performance and are willing to do that, but there's nothing there for them. And I was like, you know, let me not be like everybody else. Let me not cookie cut this. Let's start something that is true to us and something that is community based. Let's build a team. Let's help each other become great. And let's take all aspects of training and really make sure our athletes are taken care of from A to Z, whether that be their training, their recovery, their diet, their nutrition, everything. I don't see a lot of people doing that anymore. A lot of people are just training because it makes them money and they're accepting all kinds. I have no problem telling somebody, hey, listen, I don't really think we're going to be a good fit. And Right. They're too scared to say no to the client. I do think, you know, a lot of the coaches we work with, they do think similarly to you, but it's sort of like an 80, 20 rules. What I'm noticing is 20% of the gyms will get 80% of the real results yeah. and 80% of the gyms can't replicate it. Maybe because they're getting in their own way. They're, um, well, they're seeing what's going on in the industry. They're trying to replicate right. it. And, and it's then- funny what you say is like, don't do it. It's like, that Pareto principle is so true. Like, don't do what 80% of people are doing. Do what do the, the 20% are doing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's man. even like us at DFS. I'm going to shamelessly plug it, but like. Hell yeah, man. That's um, why I like <laughs> love you guys in that sense is when I offer it to all my clients, because that's all I take. I love transparent labels. I love knowing what is going in my body is truly what is on yeah, that like, we label. Don't have you know what I mean? Proprietary blends. Yeah. Like, and, I yeah. love that. It's especially as an athlete who gets tested like you get tested yeah they test power oh yeah there's untested tested divisions how different are the numbers between the two insane <laughs> okay yeah, sorry. insane yeah, yeah um but again it's a sport you do you like if you want to take stuff and yeah, 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 compete yeah, yeah, to yeah. you you know we're, whatever we're an nsf for sport company yeah we recommend it, but. but that's that's where i lean all my athletes are natural and even if they're not, I don't like you're, we're going to help you in your respected lane. I don't judge you for what you want to do. Um, but as far as frontier performance, that was the same thing with like design sport. I'm like, I just want to create the best. I'm not going to like, just try to be successful or make money. I want to, I don't care how long this takes. I will keep building this thing and I will keep well, making it more and more and more attractive to the people that I want. It's, this actually has been coming up more and more recently, especially I'm in a couple entrepreneurial groups, is this idea of mission-driven businesses versus just profit-based businesses. And like, you need profit as a company. You, you can't, you can't operate, survive. yeah. But the people who are in mission-based, I was actually watching a video with, um, his name's Bob Parsons. He was explaining yeah. like, yeah. and he said something so interesting that stuck out to me. He's like, sometimes, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it, 
Like you do things that make zero sense on a PNL, <laughs> but you have to, to create the magic. Yeah. And yeah, I like this idea mm-hmm. with you guys. It's like the mission is there. Like if you look at Mecca, uh, Dave Lawrence owns Mecca. Yeah. He's on our board, super successful yep. gyms. They have values that all their employees need the same values yep. or they can't work there. That's a hundred percent, man. Like I love that ideology because even like with my athletes, one thing, like I said, we created a team. So when people start with FTP, right, they get hooked into our group chat with all the other athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's just for information, support, motivation, tips, pointers, whatever it may be. They can communicate to the whole gang. Yeah, we're doing the same thing for our and pro partner program. And you got to. Yeah. It's, it's nice to connect to people. And now, like when our lifters have meets, we all show up. We all show up. We all support. We all handle them. We make sure that they have the best experience possible. I have three coaches underneath me, and no matter what athlete they're working with, we all of us overlook their program, and we all give the check mark whether or not we think it's A-OK or if there's any changes we can make. We are putting so much time into making sure that people are being taken care of and not just they're not just a product. They're not just money, right? Because... I hate that. When I started FTP, it was not about the money. I wanted to create an empire. I want every single powerlifter to literally look at the industry or just what they need to do to become great. And they just automatically go, well, we need to go with FTP. They're taking care of their athletes the best. They created a team mm-hmm. that is constantly putting on for their athletes. They created a platform that is going to able their athletes to get more show, more spotlight, more sponsorships. If that's what, you know, their goal is, we can help people get to that next level. And now after we've built this team, I have, you know, like the ASU powerlifting team is underneath us. We sponsor them and it's wonderful because we're sending them back and all their people are seeing all the progress they're making and go, holy crap, what are you doing? Well, get plugged with FTP. Yeah. You tie yourselves to a mission. Um, I don't mean to cut us off, but oh, yeah. our episode times, of course, pretty much done. But we're gonna have you back. Always be um, back. But before we end, I always like to uh, highlight three things that we can take from this episode. Absolutely. I, so to me, I think the first thing is like this idea of like make sure you're listening to somebody who the audio matches the visual. Like what happened with you and your take your advice from the best man. Like yeah. don't the influencers you see on Instagram. Like I don't care how great of an app. A great athlete isn't always the greatest coach. And that is the realest thing, man. Like you really have to go with the people that are taking the time to study this stuff and Mm -hmm. are updating themselves and are constantly, constantly want to be the best for themselves. Like that's A, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. Number two. um, And surround yourself with better people. No, I don't know how to encapsulate this, this God experience you had when you were smoking your cigarette out and you're like, I got slapped. And it's like, everybody has one. Listen to that voice. Listen to that voice, man. Like your mind will tell you when you know what's right from wrong. I hate the whole thing. I say your heart tells you, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're going to know like what you're doing is not where you should be and you know what you should be doing. And listen to it. Listen to it. And then I think the third thing is I love this idea of tying yourself to a mission driven business versus just a profit business. I think that's really important. It's the same thing you guys have done with designs for sport instead of becoming just, okay, like every other supplement brand, we just want to be everywhere and just shove it down people's throat. No, 
you guys have done is we have a quality product and we understand what we have. We understand that there's value in here. We don't want to mm-hmm. just hand it out. We want only the people that truly, truly and care. Like we don't and cut want. corner on price. No, and like, no. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and, and people still buy. And going back to that price point as a trainer, it doesn't matter what the price is, man. It's the value you create behind it. Like with Designs for Sport, anybody who looks into that and really does their research, it's going to feel 100% confident that they're getting the best damn product. Mm-hmm. That's why Same I feel training, so com- yeah. confident, like giving it to people because I know I'm not like, oh, just do this. Like the affiliations that we have now, everybody has an affiliate link. It's like, how many influencers do you have that, you know, start with a brand and then immediately that's the best brand. And then they find Switch. a new affiliation. They're like, this is the new It's best. funny. Like we've, we've had a few athletes we've sponsored. The only ones we sponsor are people who found us, really like us. And then like, we don't go chase and try to just throw Don't money. chase. I don't but, um, Yeah. So people want to find you. FrontierPerformanceLLC.com or just find us on Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Give us a follow, whatever you want to do. If you want to communicate, I'll be the one communicating with you. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, Frontier you Perf- Frontier? No, I'm kidding. Frontier. Uh, um, just an FYI, the Frontier Performance name actually came from my first street that I ever grew up on was Frontier Trail. Oh, really? Yep. That's where it all started and that's where it's all leading. Yep. Um, no, thank you so much for coming on. Look forward to having you back. And, uh, if anyone wants to find me, you can find me on Instagram at born B O R N underscore, uh, underscore boxer. And thank you all for tuning in. And I'm looking forward to joining you next time. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming. Thank you again for joining us in Leaders in Sport. I'm your host, Jordan Boxer, and we just want to thank you from everyone at Designs for Sport for giving us your time and attention. We hope to continue to bring you episodes that will help pique your interest and help you elevate your career so we can elevate the industry. Thank you.